Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. We're recording this today. It's September 1st. Um, Yesterday was the MLB trade deadline. Given this 60-game sprint of a season, no one's really sure what exactly uh, the deadline would hold. But it has come and gone. Some big names moving. Um, some under-the-radar guys moving, but I needed someone to talk to, um, in regards to it. So, today, for, uh, his second time, I have, uh, Mr. Jacob Siegel joining us. Jacob, how you doing? Good, thanks for having me. Just watching potential trade candidate, someone a lot of people thought would get traded, Kevin Gausman, pitch for the Giants and dice up the Rockies at Coors Field. So, oh. happy about that. Are you now? I am. <laughs> Let's see. So... Uh, Jacob, obviously, my first guest on. Didn't want to bring him back. Unfortunately, ran out of options, so here we are. Thank you <laughs> Totally kidding, of course. But um, first, I'll just kind of read off some of these trades. There were a lot of them um, in no particular order. But um, Archie Bradley, reliever, uh, went to the Reds. Kevin Pillar to the Rockies. Todd Frazier, Robinson Chirinos, and Miguel Castro all went to the Mets. Um, Robbie Ray went to the Blue Jays, Mike Miner went to the A's, Austin Nola went to the Padres, Jason Castro also went to the Padres, Michael Givens went to the Rockies, Jonathan Villar went to the Blue Jays, Jose Martinez went to the Cubs, Tommy Malone went to the Braves, Mitch Moreland went to the Padres, Tommy Lastello went to the A's, Trevor Rosenthal went to the Padres, Ross Stripling went to the Blue Jays, Taiwan Walker also went to the Blue Jays, Brandon Workman to the Phillies, Starling Marte to the Marlins, and arguably, not even, I, I think definitively, the biggest deal, Mike Clevenger being sent from Cleveland to my San Diego Padres. So those are, as far as I know, the most notable trades that went down over the course of primarily uh, yesterday, but also in the coming days, or in the prior days. Coming days would be in a couple days. Um, but those are the deals. So, I mean, let's get right into it. Um, I just wanted to point out that uh, right as I talked about how well Gasman was pitching, he promptly gave up a homer to, of all people, Garrett Hampson. Did he now? He did. How many career home runs do you think Garrett Hampson has? Um, one more right now than he did right before this. That's totally fair. Okay, so let's get into it. I'll let you start with some guys, some specific players that you saw as winners and losers at the deadline while I look up how many career home runs Garrett Hampson has. I beat you to it. It looks like he had big, big power hitting Garrett Hampson. Wait, you uh, you cut out, Jacob. I mean, it's it's your second time on, man. That That's a rookie mistake. Say that again. I, I beat you to it. Hampson has 10, so I think this makes Homer 11. What am I supposed to... Okay, okay. Your thoughts on some winners and losers in terms of players at the trade deadline. Take it away. Um, In terms of players, I think some of the most interesting ones are Tommy LaStella to the A's. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a definitive winner, except just going somewhere where he's able to compete. The A's, um, second base has always been their kryptonite. They don't really have anyone there. So I think LaStella will play every day, especially with Barreto, who... For years, people have been saying, just wait for Barreto, just wait for Barreto. Um, it looks like we waited for nothing. And so now Estella's there to fill that void. Trevor Rosenthal, I think, will be great for the Padres. I think he'll be the closer for a little while. He um, shouldn't be too expensive in the offseason. And just to fill a role, and then your hope as a Padres fan is probably that he's thrown in the seventh or eighth inning in the playoffs. And Trevor Rosenthal in that role is great. And then finally, Ross Stripling to the Blue Jays. Nothing special, but he gets to start. He should be in the rotation every time. There's no more, is he getting traded to the Angels? Is he not? He knows he's with the Blue Jays right now, even if the Blue Jays aren't really at a permanent home. But I think it's a good move for Stripling to seal a spot in the rotation. Yeah. So for me, looking at some winners, I also listed Tommy LaStella. 
I don't necessarily know if we'll see the typical, you know, middle-of-the-road guy has a massive jump to the A's because I think he's already kind of done that with the Angels. But he's going to have an everyday role on a better team that's competing that, again, also notoriously turns middle-of-the-road guys into borderline elite players. It's just the way the A's do it. So you got to be happy to be be on a contender um, where you can play. I mean, that's ultimately the goal. Um, Another winner... I mean, Mike Clevenger, he gets, he's, get, he's, you can say that he'd be content in Cleveland, but he kind of gets a fresh start from all of the antics, um, given him and his teammate, Zach, please, Zach, we'll talk about in a second, um, gets a fresh start, he's the ace, he's the, at this point, I mean, he's the headliner of this pitching rotation, you have Lamette, um, Paddock, Patino, and Gore, but Clevenger was brought in to be the guy. And he's going to be the guy um, for a team that's hopefully contending for a while. Then the last winner is a guy that wasn't dealt, who I just mentioned, is Zach Plezak. Because, well, first, literally, with Clevenger getting traded, he was called up, which was going to happen sooner or later, but Clevenger getting moved at that point made it immediate. And second off, I mean, this... Group of, I mean, Cleveland's known for their, you know, starting pitching. They've been able to get rid of Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, and now Mike Clevenger, and still have one of baseball's best rotation. So, really, in theory, all of those starting pitchers should be happy, especially Plezak, because he gets to go back up now, and he'll most likely move up in the order and allow himself for a bigger role in the rotation. Um. I think, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's much more to be said there, necessarily. I think Plezak definitely benefits from Clevenger getting the boot, even if they're uh, good friends. I mean, evidently. Um, and then for losers, I said Lance Lynn, because the guy's pitching out of his mind, and he's just going to be stuck with the Rangers. Um, I think at this point, he, I, the way he's pitching, you got to imagine he doesn't want to be playing in Texas right now. I mean, getting traded to a contender, he wants to... There's no way at this point in his career he wants to be sitting here just dwindling away with a ERA around two for nothing. I think definitely um, unfortunate for him. And then the one, one of the head-scratching moves, it wasn't necessarily giving up a lot or anything, but Kevin Pillard of the Rockies made no sense to me. So in terms of for him and just the overall Rockies outfielders, I'd consider that them losers because they already have so much depth. They have Charlie Blackman, um, Rymel Tapia, David Dahl, um, Sam Hilliard. David Dahl, I believe, is still hurt right now, but he'll be healthy. Yeah? I think so, I believe yeah. that. And then you throw in Pilar there. I don't know. There's just this whole glut of guys, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, Pilar's not a bad player, and they didn't really give up anything significant for him. It just doesn't really make sense, and all those guys kind of take a hit as a result. Um, I will say with Pilar, though, as a fan, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch him in the massive Coors Field outfield. Um, and then going back to some of your winners, Zach Plesak showed tonight why he deserved a rotation spot. Uh, six innings strong, only four hits, one earned, six strikeouts. Granted, it's against the Royals. But that's still a pretty impressive showing. And then for Tommy Lastella, although he's probably a winner, he somehow found a way to get traded from the Angels in Angel Stadium and end up with a worse home stadium in Oakland. That is you. That is hard. That that's a tough transition. I mean, who's some? I'm trying to think. Just went from just went from bad to worse. What have been some good Tampa Bay Rays and Oakland Athletic trades? I don't. Nothing comes to mind right now. What is it? I'm gonna look this up. Um, Oakland, A's, and... You feel like they're similar teams, though, right now, the A's and the Rays. No, yeah, yeah, exactly, they're very similar. Insanely small payroll, and they're both just trying to, trying to get over the hump. And I guess they always play each other on the wild card, I mean, they, they're, it's, they're literally the same, I want to see, I'm not going to dig too far right now, but that's, that's the ultimate trade of ballparks. You get, you're, you're either playing at Oakland, Alameda, or you're playing at the Trop, and you're getting traded, and you're like, okay, whatever. I, I, the bright side, I'm gonna, I have to be playing at a better stadium, and then you get traded to the altern, the alternate. I mean, 
alternative option. That that is the phrase I was looking for. Go. I kind I kind of fell off there. I'm only words, words, are words, hard. words. I'm what I'm in my I'm halfway through my second week of school. I'm already I'm not I'm not caught up to speed yet. I suppose, but um back on topic a little bit. Um, sticking with the whole uh, winners and losers. That's kind of you know sports. Um. Uh, let's go over some winning teams for you from this deadline, losing teams from you. I mean, get it going. Yeah, not to steal your thunder, but I think the Padres have to be a winner. Uh, they made it clear they're in, they're trying to win this year, which makes me, I don't think you'll get a year where the D-backs are selling, the Giants aren't great, the Rockies aren't good either, but the Rockies will ever be good. Um, but I think it just makes sense for the Padres to go all in now. And on top of that, they got to keep all their top talent with Abrams, Patino, Gore. They still have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Um, then the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays didn't give up a ton either. They got incrementally better, which I think makes sense for them. They're the third best team in the division, kind of by a long shot right now. And I think their goal is just try and make the playoffs this year, which they should do as... The playoffs are eight teams, but I think it makes a lot of sense for them to make a trade for Robbie Ray, Stripling, Taiwan Walker, just not huge names, not aces, but just good good arms at the back of the rotation. And then also Jonathan VR, he'll fill in at shortstop for a while when Bichette is gone, and after that, he can play anywhere they want him to. Yeah. Um. Here. So, yeah, I mean, my winners... I had I had the Padres. You you hit on it, um, and I just I want to pull this up for reference sake because I think a lot of the casual fans maybe are like, well, if they're doing all this, they must be throwing away their farm system. But you said it. We gave up one top one hundred prospect, and I love Taylor Trammell. I I hope he does great. Um, but he's ha- he's been inconsistent with the bat and the minors. Um. Great defender with great speed, but he's definitely not close to a sure thing. So, oh, hum-ho, we still have Mackenzie Gore, the top, arguably the top pitching prospect in baseball. C.J. Abrams we got um, from the draft last year. uh, Super versatile middle infielder, could end up playing outfield. Luis Patino, who's, I mean, started off slow, but he's, he's looked very good in the major leagues. Luis Camposano, one of the top casual prospects in baseball. We didn't gut the farm system. We gave up. It, it depends on the site you look, maybe, but we gave up maybe two or three top ten prospects. And ultimately, I will trade. I, I am totally cool with trading our 18th and 21st prospects any day. And this, another thing about that, on that same note, I can't speak to every single of or to all of the trade pieces we got rid of, but I can tell you for a fact that the two guys we traded to Boston were both Rule Five eligible next year when we're set up to have a forty-man uh, roster crunch. So we essentially got Mitch Moreland. I because I mean I don't think either of those guys were worth protecting, given all of the young influx we're gonna have to add all the aforementioned prospects. To me, we essentially, we would have risked them for them to be blocked off. Uh, Rosario, the outfielder, and Potts, the infielder, um, that are solid prospects but nothing, like, mind-blowing. So instead of risking them getting taken, we got a quality first baseman DH for them. So I just think, I, I think most intelligent baseball fans, or at least informed baseball fans, maybe I should say, understand that the Padres went in, and sure, you can call it all-in, but this all-in does not mean sacrificing the whole roster. We, I mean, we gave up, and especially in the Indians deal, it was quantity over quality. We gave up some solid players, but none of them were exceptional. You gave up, what, Gabriel Arias was the top of the prospects, middle infielder, who is solid, Needs to improve his swing a little bit. Needs to, bat has a little bit to work on. But a very solid middle infielder that will probably end up being the replacement for Francisco Lindor when he inevitably leaves. And then, so he's solid but blocked by a guy named Fernando. Then it's, you got the slew of big leaguers. Josh Naylor, who 
has potential. He's shown it a little bit, but nothing, not the quality outfield bat they wanted. Cal Quantrill is a stud that I think will do very well in Cleveland. They might keep him in the bullpen, but um, definitely can start. I think he's going to be a very solid arm. Austin Hedges must have just been a throw-in because we didn't want another catcher. He's a just kind of... Maybe he's better defensively than Roberto Perez, but, I mean, they're both just awful hitting catchers that play good defense. So he must have just been a throw-in. So, those, I mean, those were the headliners. And then they, Joey Cantillo, uh, left-handed starting pitcher. He's he's a stud, but um, definitely not not super devastated to have to give him up. And then who am I, I missing? Think, I do think Cantillo will end up, though, is definitely a rotation piece, maybe even better, because if we look at what the Indians player development system has done with all the pitchers we've mentioned, Plesak and all these other pitchers in their rotation, so many of them are homegrown or at least came early in their career to the Indians, and now they are almost have a rotation full of aces or a rotation full of ones and twos. So I would not be surprised at all to see Cantillo as a top of the rotation starter in a couple of years. Oh, I to no, I think you're totally on with that. Um, I think they'll definitely he'll definitely be very good. I love Joey Cantillo's one of my favorite guys in all of the organization. Um, but I, that's why I think people it goes both ways. I think it was a very good trade for the Padres, and maybe it wasn't exactly what everyone thought the Indians would get, but it wasn't a bad trade by any means because Cantillo. You get Cantillo and Quantrill, both arms that... I mean, Quantrill's already, obviously, at a much more advanced level, but besides maybe Houston, I don't know if there's anywhere else a pitcher would want to land for success. Exactly. And then and then the other guy was Owen Miller, infielder, um, solid all around, but nothing necessarily special. So, gave up... Not necessarily, I wouldn't call them back-end prospects, but no, headliner prospects to significantly improve the team. And the only guy that's a rental for this is Trevor Rosenthal, who, as Jacob said, would not be that hard to retain. So, definitely, I I brought out the soapbox for this one. But Padres, obviously winners to me. And uh, my next winner are actually the Miami Marlins. And this was weird. But they've played good baseball. They're thoroughly in the hunt for the playoffs. So they their management said, you guys are playing good. And so they saw an opportunity with Starling Marte, and they, and they made that move. They didn't give up anything significant for Marte, as far as I know, as far as I know of those guys. They don't have their names pulled up. Um, you can correct me if any of those guys are, like, massive prospects, but not what I know of. No, I don't think so. And just... Looking at that trade from the Diamondbacks' point of view, they got nothing for Starling Marte. They gave up some decent prospects. I believe they even gave up Brennan Malone in that deal to the Pirates to get, what, 30, 35 games of Marte? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. How much much control does Marte have? I don't even think it matters, though. No, no, no. I don't... Well, he's, he's clearly not a rental. So he he's got to have this probably this year and a year after... I would imagine. Let's see. He signed a six-year, $31 million deal. Oh, he signed an ex- I- Years ago, but um, it looks like he has an option next year, a club option for 12 and a half, which I think that's a big reason why the Dimebacks wanted to trade him because with the financial situation regarding COVID, they didn't know if they'd be able to afford that next year. See, I, I mean, look, I can understand that, but they totally, I mean... They decided that they were going to try to win this year, which I think people definitely... They, there was reason to think the Diamondbacks could do something, but you trade for you trade for Marte, you trade, or you sign Bumgarner, which, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't think much of the Bumgarner signing, which that ended up proving to be true. This, I mean, Marte's solid. People forget forgot about him because he's been on bad Pirates teams. He's very solid, and they didn't give up a premium price for him. Um... That'll help them, you know, quote-unquote, compete for this year. I, I, The Marlins, look, they're not winning a World Series, but their guys have been playing well. Why not Why not give it a shot? Add a guy that's, like I said, very solid um, to an outfield without giving up too much. And then on top of that, I believe you were the one who texted me that apparently Isan Diaz is, like, opting back into the season. 
He is, I believe. So if then... Why they could give up yeah, VR. Yeah, so that's, that's what I was going to... So apparently, Isan Diaz is opting back into the season, which prompted um, the Marlins to flip Jonathan VR to the Blue Jays. Yeah. So they flipped Jonathan VR to the Blue Jays. Um, they didn't get anything. What'd they get? I know they I don't got... Think they got huge pieces, but is I think it... it's worth to get something for him. Because I think he's... Well, he was... Baltimore put him on waivers last year for whatever reason, right? They, they did. They so, got rid of the best player, but are somehow not terrible this year. So then he's got to be... He's got to be... Sorry, I keep talking uh, about Miami looks like Griffin Conine, who I believe his dad or one of his relatives played in the big leagues, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that name, Griffin Conine. Well, and the thing about... I mean, VR's got to be a free agent after this year. I mean, he was cut last year. Um, and, and looking at it, VR... You know what you're getting from him. He's, uh, he's, he's, ver- he's versatile... Um, can swing the twig a little bit. Um, doesn't walk much. He, I mean, he's just like he's a he's a meh guy. So if you're getting Isan Diaz back, why not trade a meh guy? I mean, he's hitting two fifty nine, getting on base three fifteen, slugging of three forty five, uh, OPS of six sixty. I mean, that's just though those aren't good numbers. Um, so if you're getting a guy back as well, why why not why not try to add a guy like Griffin Conine who what? 23 years old, photo of him on with the Lansing Lugnuts. So he's, okay, so he's 23, and it doesn't look like he's played above a ball. But nonetheless, I, I like what the Marlins did because they added a guy without, you know, giving up any of their progress, and they got rid of a guy that really didn't factor in and give gave whatever Conine a chance. So I like what they did. And the Blue Jays, I put as like a win question mark because I like the moves that they made. I like, I think I I like Ross Stripling. I think he's solid. I don't think he's anything spectacular, but he he's a you know you know what you're getting from Ross Stripling. Um, Taiwan Walker has he made he has he made one start or two starts there? I think he's just made one. I think he, he started a day or two after. Yeah. So I mean, Walker's done. Walker's done well. Um, he's actually been consistent overall in his career. I think. Um, another guy that overall you know you're gonna get like a like a, a decent pitcher, and then you look at, oh, you look at Mr. Robbie Ray, and I think it's worth the chance because we've seen Ray. We've seen Ray look really good, but this year has been absolutely awful. Let me pull this up. Cuz I, I don't I don't want to say this if it's not true, but Well, this year has been super interesting, I think for Ray because he started the year he's making all these adjustments. His arm action was super super short compared to what it had been previously. And if you look at him now, it's pretty similar to what it was in other years. And he's back to his ways of walking everyone, throwing a ton of pitches so he can't get out of the 5th inning. That's what here. I have it I have it pulled up. He's averaging nine walks per nine innings. That is, for those for those of you that are not quite the mathematicians, that is one walk per inning. And he's already been a high walk guy, so just for reference. Last year, it was 4.3, year before 5.1. Nine. Yes, it's seven starts, but re- for something like that, sample size doesn't matter that much. It's it, He's thrown 31 innings... 31 walks, given up 27 runs. And his his FIP is FIP. It shows that he's earned all of it. He has a 723 FIP. I didn't even, I always thought that FIP, like, I didn't even know FIP could go up that high. Like, I, I, it, it, he's been so bad. And I think, I don't know, I think, I really think more of 2017 and 2018 um, was a fluke. I don't, I, I don't. I think it's worth the chance because he has throws the ball well. He has good stuff, but I don't know. Robbie Ray definitely should have been traded when he had significant value. Like you look last year, 
He like he was a big like him and Matt Boyd, two guys that both should have been traded last year at the deadline, were like hot commodities. Like not necessarily like cream of the crop, but a, a good lefty pitcher that it sounded like teams like the Yankees and contenders were interested in. So they held on to him. Here they are. They give him um, to to Toronto or Buffalo, whatever you want to call them. So I don't think it's a bad move necessarily for the Blue Jays, but it's definitely a kind of maybe a win. Like they didn't really give up anything significant, but at the same time, like none. It like it it doesn't really push the pencil that much. You just you got a slew of arms. Um, that are Meanwhile, unspectacular. I, I believe Alex Dickerson just hit his third home run of the game. Did he now? So. Terrific. Giants somehow scored 16 runs in six innings. Really? Has Gosman given up all six? No, the Giants have scored 16. Yeah, but oh. 16 too. Oh, I thought, oh, oh, my bad. I thought you said 16 to six. I, I am sorry. My listening skills are on point. But, yeah. So, Blue Jays, it's like a win, but, like, not necessarily, like, a massive, massive win. So, those were my winners. And then, in terms of losers, I said I said the Rangers, I think. On the same note with Lance Lynn, I mean, let's... I don't know. Maybe Rangers fans know more than what we know. But I don't think that the Rangers are going to be contending next year. And then, at that point... They could put themselves. Obviously, Lance Lynn and Robbie Ray are different pitchers, but um, Lance, or actually, yeah, let me take that back. What what did happen was Mike Miner got traded to the A's, and that's that that's a decent comparison. Mike Miner was one of the better pitchers last year in baseball, and they chose to hold on to them onto him for this season. And maybe they couldn't have again. They couldn't have gotten an absolute haul for him, but they could have gotten something versus. Uh, with this trade with the A's, they got two players to be named later that I think they were announced, but it was nothing that, nothing special. And then with Lance Lynn, next year, they're going to be trading him as a rental when in reality, I mean, I don't know, you got to explore him this offseason or something because I just don't see a world where the Rangers are competing there. And you can say what you want about holding on to Gallo. Like, I don't think you can fault a team for holding on to Joey Gallo. But this organization just doesn't have the talent right now. Whereas, if they if they bit the bullet, traded Lance Lynn with or separately with Joey Gallo, you can totally restock your farm system and give yourself that look for the future. Again, Gallo Gallo might be a different conversation. You can definitely say, okay, yeah, that's fair. But for Lance Lynn, his stock isn't gonna get higher. He is. What is he? Is he, is he 33, 34? Definitely in his mid-30s. Yeah, he, he's 33, 34, pitching the best in his life. And then he's about to, he's he, he he's going to hit free agency next year, I believe. Am I wrong? I, I'm, like, pretty confident that's right. I think right. that's right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was good last year to the tune of a 3-6 ERA. And then this year, I mean, he's at a 193, and sure, his FIP says, you know, 352, so could see some regression. But ultimately, even for that, I mean, teams are going to want a guy like that who, that's what I was, I wanted the Padres to potentially add him. Obviously, I'm happy with Mike Clevenger, but what I really liked about Lance Lynn was there was some stat how he had thrown, like, 31 straight games, at least I was reading this last week. Um, like, 31 straight games of throwing at least 100 pitches. That's a guy who not only is, is a quality pitcher, but eats innings, too. It, I don't know. He's in his age 33 season. I get it. And they hold on to him. I get it. I do think, going back to Robbie Ray, though, I think what you were pointing out with the D-backs, the D-backs seem to be a little bit of a mess this year. This was supposed to be their year. They added Bumgarner. He's almost in regression. People thought it looks like he is regressing. Um, but it's just interesting because this was the year they were going all in, eight teams in the playoffs, and they are not playing well at all. But um, with Robbie Ray and the Blue Jays, I think it's a great move for the Blue Jays. Robbie Ray is only under contract this year, um, so he is an impending free agent. But with Nate Pearson hurt, Ryu is really the only 
great arm in that rotation. And so adding Ray, I think, is low risk this year. If he doesn't pitch well, so what? You're probably the eighth seed anyways. You're hoping he can give you something against the Yankees or the Rays or whoever you're going to play in a three-game series. So I think it makes total sense to go get Ray. No, that's why, like, I think it makes sense. So in that sense, it's a victory. But I don't know if it's necessarily a clear-cut victory in the sense that you don't know what you're going to get from him. But no, you're right. It, they 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 gave up virtually nothing on a guy that at times has looked very good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Feels like all of the AL East is just decimated with injuries, and then there's just the Orioles and I mean the Red Sox. The Orioles haven't even been that bad this year, so you can't necessarily no. put them there. But then it's just the Red Sox. <laughs> um. Like God, I'm I'm scrolling through this. Crazy. But, um, so, Rangers. I think Rangers lost on that. Then, the Yankees. I don't think, maybe it's not as worse as some people think, because um, guys will come back, and it's just ignorant if you make this these flurry of trades when you're ultimately going to have guys come back from injury. But with that being said, they didn't add a single piece. They didn't add a single pitcher. And I don't think they needed to do anything offensively at all, but they definitely needed to add a starter, given the, how decimated they are with injuries. Um, I I just don't know how you don't even make a move for a single one. Not even your your guy Jacob, Mister Kevin Gosman. Like, you can justify not trading for Mike Clevenger, but when you're the New York Yankees, you you. I don't get. I, I I'm very surprised. I didn't think it would happen this year, but it it happened. They they they've honestly. I mean, the Rays have just outplayed them. I think the the Yankees won tonight, and yeah, the Yankees will get healthy. But the, for the starting pitching, it's that's gonna be a that's their top concern even at full strength, because Cole. Yeah, I mean he's thrown a little bit. I'm not worried about Cole, but after Cole, there's no consistency. Because you have Masahiro, you don't... Masahiro is the closest one to consistency, but you don't really know what you're getting from him. J.A. and James Paxton, you no idea. And then from there, I mean, you got a combination of what? You got, so, uh, like, Montgomery, maybe if they choose to keep up Diego Garcia. Like, there are just so many question marks about their, that rotation behind Cole, which is why you don't necessarily need to trade for Mike Clevenger because, yeah, you got some dude named Luis Severino coming back at some point, maybe if he ever actually stays healthy. But to not make a single move for a team like the New York Yankees in the market they are when they are in prime position to contend, I, I don't get that. I don't get that. I do think it's interesting, though, that neither the Dodgers nor the Yankees made moves. Those are the two front runners, the Rays, who I believe have the best record in baseball, didn't do anything. The Twins, who even though they're, I think, in third in their division right now, they're still... I think conservative front runner. So none of those teams made moves this year. Yeah, well, I think the Yankees is more so because they've been decimated with injuries, and they have that as a clear hole. For the Dodgers, I don't think there was really that much of a move to be made, because at this point they're already like, like what what would the Dodgers need? Like if they ended up if they ended up getting maybe Hater, but they the Dodgers are at the point where they they have no reason to make a move for the sake of making a move. If something for, like, hater materialized, sure. But they're playing great baseball and don't have a clear Achilles heel. So for them, I think, you know, it, it it's not blasphemous for them to hold. No, I think it makes sense. But in the past years, when the Dodgers have made the World Series and lost, people looked back and said, well, they had this deadline, but they didn't make the move. So I would have thought they would have tried to make the move this year and been proactive. Maybe. I also think that's people being naive because ultimately, let's not, I mean, the Dodgers on paper, are, are they're, they're so stacked. In this offseason, they made the move. It's Mookie Betts. So, yeah. I, I, you're, you know, I, I think I understand what you're saying and in, in that's what people say, but I don't I don't think you can fault the Dodgers for not making a move. Um, I'm kind of, well, I guess they sent off Ross Tripling, but um, of anything, you want they'd want to make moves like that because they want to, get some room for, like, Tony Gonsolin, make sure all these guys have playing time. That's what, I mean, 
they're, uh, Dodgers are so loaded. We're we're on our way though. Don't worry. Padres, Padres <laughs> taking over this decade. Um, but yeah, no, I think I, it was fair for the Dodgers to stand pat, not necessarily the Yankees. Then, I'll, I'll before we go to the, to, in my opinion, the biggest loser. Um, I'll go to the question mark, which is the Cleveland Indians, which we went over a little bit, but it's hard to say because they got worse currently. Because the ma- the major league guys are Austin Hedges, who essentially contributes nothing. Josh Naylor, who, I mean, we don't really know what he's gonna get. He has a little bit of power. Could play the outfield a little first base, maybe. If you want to give the Franimal the day off or try to stick him in the outfield. Um, but n- not an impact bat by any means. And then you get Cal Qu- Quantrill, who's a solid arm, but will probably be a reliever. And if not, I mean, solid arm, but not Mike Clevenger. And then you get three prospects, who Joey Cantillo, who's a stud, but he's going to take a little bit to develop, albeit I would not be surprised if the Indians turned him into a Cy Young candidate. Then you got some middle infielders, Gabriel Arias and um, Owen Miller. So when you're when you're looking at it right now, I think maybe you say the Padres won. Maybe you say they didn't get enough. Maybe you, you could say quantity over quality, which is fair. But ultimately, I don't think it's fair to fully uh, uh, grade this trade. And I think what kind of skews everyone's evaluation of this um, is that clearly, I mean, they took, they had to have taken the best offer. If this wasn't the best offer, they're just absolute idiots. But if this was the best offer, I think they were just, the whole, when they, a couple weeks ago, and they said Clevenger, it would take like an absolutely insane price, I think they may have bumped that up. I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's unfair to call the Indians major losers, but it, it's kind of hard Cleveland's done a good job of finding ways to be successful, despite the fact that they're unable to keep their stars past their, um, uh, what what is it, six years of service time. So, I think, yeah. so for the, the Indians, I put a question mark, inconclusive, um, take care of my guys, definitely. I reached out to, um, I reached out to Ben, who I had, um, he's the minor league pitcher for the Indians, I reached out to him and I said, I gotta gotta take care of Cantillo for me. He's on his way, um, but no, it's it's weird weird trade. I I woke up. I think you you were calling me during it. Sorry, we're just going back to the overall Clevenger trade. I woke up. I got up. Whatever. Had a little bit to eat. Brushed my teeth. I was getting in the shower, and I get. A tweet note. I, I have my notifications on Twitter for a bunch of the reporters. And I get... First, Jacob texts me. Says, Clev. Or maybe you DM it to me on Twitter from Robert Murray. Whatever. And I see that. And I'm like, you know what? I need to get in the shower. I have school in a couple minutes. So I get in the shower. I look out. And I see... We didn't give up Camposano. We didn't give up Patino. I, I knew we didn't give up Gore. And... And then we didn't give up Abrams. So, as a Padres fan, I mean, so thrilled. But, back to my main point. Inconclusive for the Indians. I keep I keep kind of circling around. Inconclusive for the Indians. And then, my big loser is the Braves. Because the Braves, they're a different team than the New York Yankees. But they're in the same spot where their starting pitching has been ineffective outside of Max Freed. Um, with Mike Soroka going down. Um, and yeah, they have the they have a slew of young arms, but their rotation has been absolutely atrocious um, outside of Freed, and the only move they made was for Tommy Malone. So yeah, the and at least has been clumped in the middle, and you know there's not necessarily a prime contender to take them down unless the fight in Marlins really kick it into another gear. They didn't get better. Like I don't see this team making a far postseason run with their current rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a lot of good points. Ian Anderson, though, tonight was amazing. Was he was he good again? He was good. I think he might have been even better than his first start. Um, so that's good news for the Braves. But I think Alex Anthopoulos just doesn't really want to mortgage the future because he feels like 
um, with all the prospects they have who are, I guess, would be in AAA right now with the alternate side, Pache and in Waters and like Kyle Wright. And then with Acuna still being young, Swanson still fairly young, I think that Anthopolis' goal isn't really to work for 2020. He thinks the window is maybe more 21, 22, 23. And so not mortgaging those years for this. I, I, I understand that, I do. But as a fan of another very prospect-rich team, you're not going to be able to hold on to these guys forever. And I'm not saying they had to make the absolute biggest move, but they're definitely a team that's good enough to win this year. And I, they added Tommy Malone. Great. What do you say I you cut think, out? I, I, do, I do think they should have done something. I think there were definitely pitchers who they could have and should have acquired. I think it's just defendable to not make any moves, Stan Pat. See, I, I don't know. I don't know about entirely standing, Pat. I think it's defendable that they didn't add for one of the top arms. But you're telling me, I mean, look, they, they added Tommy Malone. When you saw, I mean, even a Ross Stripling, you saw a Mike Miner, a Robbie Ray, those guys. And I mean, there are a number of guys that also just didn't get moved that totally could have been moved that were starting pitchers. Yeah. And I think it wouldn't have costed them too much just to add a couple of, you know, not absolutely awful arms that, unlike their current arms. But I don't know. I just think it's unfortunate as a Braves fan to look at it for this year. Obviously, it's hard to, with a team full of so much talent like the Braves, it's hard to be, like, really angry about it. But I definitely think they could have done more to take advantage for this year. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. All right, so that's kind of, I mean, that's all I really have on the tab. Let's, let's look at, I kind of add this is more of a freestyle period. Let's look at, what are, what are you thinking for the rest of this season? We got the trade deadline over. These teams are set. What are what are we thinking for the rest of this year? How do how do we see it playing out? Well, I, mean, I think it's really interesting with the eight team playoffs. So I think because I mentioned earlier, the Blue Jays should be in the Tigers to start playing better. But I can't say I believe in the Tigers. Mariners, I don't think they have much of a shot. They always get hot and then come crashing back to earth. So I think it's pretty much in the AL going to be Rays, Yankees, Blue Jays. From the East, White Sox, Indians, Twins. From the Central, and the A's and Astros. From the West, and I think from there, starting pitching and pitching as a whole is going to matter a ton in the first round. Um, and I think beyond that, I had the Rays as my preseason World Series pick, I believe. I still think they can get there. I think the Twins and Yankees, even, to an extent, have been a little bit underwhelming so far. Although both teams have been plagued by injuries the Yankees obviously a little bit more I think the Yankees have been plagued by injuries maybe more than anyone ever yeah Um, and then the Astros I think have been underwhelming they've battled their own injuries I think the Verlander loss was huge but still they haven't lived up to expectations yeah I mean well said and then the NL is even more of a cluster I think you outlined it could there be a little bit of a shift yeah you have the Toronto Blue Jays sitting at 18 and 16 just on the outside. But I think I think ultimately it'll be Tampa Bay and New York from the east. White Sox, Cleveland, and Minnesota from the central. And then, oh wait, no, no, I did that wrong. That would include Toronto. Toronto is the 8th seed as of now. So we could see, we could see a flux at the 8th seed, but honestly I think that's pretty set. Yeah. Right. I I said I'm saying that right. I I did a, again. I I was making fun of people who can't count or divide nine and nine, but I just I don't know. I'll continue. Um, to the NL, it's a lot less clear. I think you can chalk up the division winners probably with Atlanta taking the East, Chicago taking the Central, um, and. Unfortunately, the Los Angeles Dodgers, who as of now have a plus 90 differential, run differential, um, taking the West. But then from there, I think it's really unclear. I, I I think I could pencil in the Padres, who have the second best record in the NL. I'll pencil them in as the number two in the West. And then the, the 
I mean, past that, I don't, I don't love the Rockies, the Giants, or the Diamondbacks doing anything. And then you go to the East and Central, and these are two divisions that we all expected to be close races, but it seems like none of the teams really are trying to like take take it over. Um, St. Louis, granted, has played significantly less games than everyone else. They're fourteen and thirteen, while the division leaders are twenty and fourteen. Um, so that's worth being noted. But are you at this point, besides the Pirates and all, I you know I'll, I'm willing to say as well as the as well the Washington Nationals, any of those teams can make it because the in the NL East. The Mets are fifteen and twenty one. The Phillies are sixteen and fifteen, and the Marlins are also sixteen and fifteen. So that puts the Mets a little bit behind. But ultimately, Miami, we could definitely see regression. Philly with an awful bullpen like that, you can always see losses. And then go back to the Central. You got the aforementioned St. Louis Cardinals sitting at fourteen and thirteen. Milwaukee Brewers are 16 and 18. I'm not personally that big of a fan of the Brewers for this year. Um, and then the Cincinnati Reds, who I think everyone expected, or most everyone expected to do much better, sitting at 15 and 21. Although they did. I don't. Oh, did I miss? I think I missed saying Brian Goodwin. Brian Goodwin was also treated um, from the Angels to the Reds. I just looked back at that. Um, Cincinnati's underachieved, sitting at 15 and 21, but they're a team that they get hot. And they can make the playoffs, so it's just it's it's very it's very unclear as of now, and I I'm not sure exactly how the NL will unravel, and I'm not angry about it. No, I have to agree with you there. I mean, I think the AL just gonna be no eyes on it the last few weeks this season. I think all the intrigue is going to greatly be with the National League, which as a National League fan, I'm all for. Yeah, and. Maybe it's, th- this could very well just be because I'm a San Diego Padre fan and we do currently have the second best record in the West, or in the National League, and you can feel free to disagree with me, but I think given this unprecedented season in the manner of which we've, exp- specifically the expanded playoffs where we have eight teams, that means more than half of each league goes to the playoff, eight out of 15. See, I redeemed myself on the math. I, I, I think the seeding should be very different. I don't think it should be divisions, one, two, three, and then uh, second place divisions, uh, four, five, six, and then the two wild cards. I think if we're doing eight teams, I think it should, it should just be, I think it should just be record-based. You can take the top two from each one if you'd like, but I, I, I don't know. Let's say... I don't know. I just think if it's eight teams, the way that it's seeded, it doesn't make sense to me. Because, let's say, um, let's say for let's say there, are, I'm trying to think of a good hypothetical for this. Let's say for whatever reason, the Miami Marlins and Philadelphia Phillies both really turn it on, like really turn it on. Like, play well, blow them out of the water. And this is just hypothetical, so say what you want about it actually taking form. But this is just a no. You have whichever team is in third place relegated, if they're good enough, to seven or eight. So how is that fair to the top team? If we're doing eight teams, in my opinion, it should just be, it should just be ranked on record. I do think a lot of that was to reward this year the division winners because we don't have any cross-division play and so to give some reward for winning your games because the schedules will most likely be so unbalanced compared to what they normally are. That's fair. But to me that also poses the question of why it's even like this in the first place because I don't know. To me, the Oakland A's perennially finish at just about under 100 wins and are stuck in the wild card every single year. I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's just that I'm new. I guess you. You love. You love having to be a wild card team, um, as a Giants yeah, fan. But I. I, do I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm kind of just spitballing at this point. But um, it'll be fun to watch. I think. The Dodgers have been on course. I think the Dodgers have done what everyone expected them to do. But other than that, 
I mean, it's been it's been wild. The Rays have been good, but have been absolutely decimated by injuries. The Yankees have still been good. They're sitting in twenty and fourteen, but not been you know the dominant Yankees we expected them to be. Um, Minnesota, I mean, hasn't been bad, but they haven't you know um, gone crazy with the Bomba Squad and stuff. Uh, Houston, obviously, Justin Verlander went down, but Oakland's beating them in the division. They're nineteen and fourteen right now. Like I said, I mean, the whole NL East has been a cluster, and Atlanta's leading it, but they haven't necessarily been crazy. I think, to me, right now, it's really just the Dodgers and then a couple tiers below, which I hate to say, but... Why do you think the Yankees are really, really interesting this year? Because I don't know how much trust you can have in them in the playoffs. They finally beat the Rays today, but the Rays have been their kryptonite all year. Many of their wins thus far have come against the Red Sox. And so they've been beating the bad teams like they but not necessarily beating the really good teams in the race. So I'm curious how that carries over the postseason. Yeah. It'll be interesting. And especially because odds are they're going to have a lot of guys that are having just come, having just, that have just came off the IL. They're, they're the words that I'm looking for. Um, so it, it's just weird. The Yankees, it's not their fault that they keep getting hurt. But it's how it is. And if you're only beating Boston, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to get Boston in the postseason. So they're going to have to get healthy and they're going to have to play the brand of baseball they expect, you know, everyone expected them to play. Yeah. I think, I mean, I feel like we've kind of hit everything. Um, I don't know if you have anything more to add, feel free to add in. But I'm just about done. Yeah, I think we covered most of it. Um not the highest hopes for my Giants the rest of the year, but I think putting on the record, I'll stick with my Rays pick for the World Series. I mean, I had Yankees, Braves with Yankees winning it. I mean, I have no reason to be a total pessimist about it, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know if I'm as confident as, as I was in the beginning of the year. And, I mean, looking at your Giants, this is a team that, on paper, I mean, this has been the case for the last couple of years. They look so bad. And they're seventeen and nineteen right now, which, in theory, like they, like if they if they turned it up a little bit, if they had a good week, they could totally be in the hunt for it. Do I think they do that? Maybe not. But this, San Francisco, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is in the Bay Area, but y'all keep over, uh, overperforming. It's an even year. That's why. It's an. Is that it? That's it. That happened. It was last year too, though. They overperformed enough where Farhan held on to Will Smith and Madison Bumgarner. Well, I think he did that because he was totally happy to just get the draft pick compensation in the offseason for them. Yeah, I, I, I digress, but um, I think that's all we have for today. Um, thanks again for listening to uh, the Red Shirt Podcast. Have a great rest of your day.